Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 48 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. <laughs> We're happy to be talking to you. I don't know why, but I literally almost said I am Jacob Miracle. Well, you know what? It happens to it me was, all the time. It was right there. I'll stop. I understand that feeling. That is so weird. I don't know what's happening. So our, our minds are finally melding into one, Michelle. Almost a year into the podcast. It must be. We're spending more time together. I would also like to say that last weekend... You looked really lovely. Nothing compared to you. Wow. I, Jacob and I were both guests at a wedding, and we sat at the same table. We it did. Amazing. We were chit-chatting and dancing. That was us, it just chitting and chatting. And, uh, you know, You did dance. I'm did. impressed. Some men don't dance. Well, you know, I like, I look down on them. I don't know why they don't. Dancing's fun. Yeah. I, I was just, I was cutting quite the rug out there. That was it. Yeah. A little to the left, a little to the right. There was really no stopping you. It was right in the middle. I was right in the wheelhouse. <laughs> That's you. Uh, I did not make the pizza, though. I so avoided that well, cliche. The what? What does that mean? It's when you make the pizza. It's from Hitch. Don't, I, who are watched you? Hitch? They're, they're, according that to the box like office. a terrible, terrible movie, oh, it Hitch. Was, oh, it was awful and completely unrealistic. But, but it got you a dance move? Well, it got me a dance move not to do. <laughs> Making the pizza? Yeah. Can you show me? Even though people can't see it. No, I, it, come on. it was a Kevin James move. So you got to like put it out and then you got to stretch it and then you got to <laughs> put the pepperoni on there's there. There's a lot of arm work. Oh, going it's on all there. it's all arm work. <laughs> this is Kevin James. There's not a lot of footwork going on. All no, right. no hip action going on. Well, we'll, we'll throw a little extra congratulations out there to, to Lisa and Pat on their Con- wedding. Congrats, great. guys. It was a great wedding. Good food. Yeah. Oh, my God. Man, I've been, talking about, that. I've been talking about that green chicken curry. Yeah. Three, three types of curry. Who would have thought tofu curry would be delicious? Who would have thunk it? Four, four different kinds of cupcakes. Oh, <laughs> the wedding. Let's Such just talk about food the whole time. We should have a wicked food episode, food and movies. We're going to talk Ooh, about that later. I like that um, idea. Okay, so last week we did an episode about the most beautiful films, and then we decided because there were so many, we we're going to do it again. Yeah. Additional not, beautiful films. There is nothing but beauty for your eyeballs in all these episodes. We like, And probably a little bit of fun as well. We like to do that. And maybe you'll watch them. This is Thanksgiving week. So maybe you'll have some time off, and you'll be full and laying around, and you'll need something to watch. And, you know, you don't want to watch football. Nobody's wanting to watch football these days. I have no cable, so I don't have access to watching anything that happens in real time. You don't have cable? Do you have, like, one of those antennas? No, I don't have anything. Well, luckily, you have (laughs) access to your local library, all 37 branches, and (laughs) you have all the entertainment you could possibly need. (laughs) I'll find some old old football games from years past. Well, you could probably watch four Super Bowls. It wouldn't matter. Oh, boo. Um, Okay, so pretty film. So I did want to tell you because I know that you'll just hate this information, and that's what I like to bring you. So last week I talked about Tree of Life and how much I love Tree of Life. And then this magic moment happened. So Jordan came in and he was like, I'm going to the store to buy the Tree of Life has a new Criterion edition. And I was like, cool. But what Terrence Malick did is, because they like to always do something special for the Criterion, and he's like, well, I don't have like a director's cut because, you know, the film that I put out there, that was the cut, and sometimes they'll add a few extra minutes on. But he was like, I have so much footage, and I loved this movie so much. So he took all this extra footage, and he literally made another Tree of Life movie. It's like... 
Oh, geez. You know, same sort of filming, but it's a completely different cut movie. And this mm. one is three hours long. So oh. you get an extra hour of it. So I haven't watched it yet, but I have it at home. And I am pumped. I hope you are. Because I, I got to tell you, I don't know about another Tree of Life movie. Hopefully he's coming at it from a different perspective. Because we just made the other movie with alternate takes. Like, this is an anchor man, bro. You're making a three-hour movie here. Let's. <laughs> I really don't know what I don't know what to expect. I'm not sure if he's going to focus more on one person or if it's going to be kind of very similar but just different shots. No idea. But don't worry. I will talk your face off about it after I watch it. I am on the edge of my seat waiting to hear that <laughs> information. You know, it doesn't seem it, but I'll trust what you're saying. If there's somebody who makes uh, pop broiler movies, it is <laughs> Terrence Malick. <laughs> you love Terrence Malick. You love him so much. I um, like things about him. So here's some other uh, beautiful movies we'll talk about. And then I wanted to finish that list of super gorgeous picture books that came out this year. Yeah, I feel like we got- Because they're too they, good to miss. Yeah, they got short shrift last week. We'll try they to did. More I time. mean, I think I did like maybe four or five of them. So I'll do like four or five more. I like to keep things yeah. symmetrical. I got, I got some in my own level, of course. There's a story about some redfish and bluefish that I think is just visually sumptuous. This is where you should stop talking. <laughs> We're going to really begin here. Okay, so the first film that I want to talk about, I feel like maybe a lot of people don't know about this one, but it is called Russian Ark. Uh, the director is Alexandra Sokurov. Nailed it. Mm, I love pretending to speak Russian. Okay, so it's about a 19th century French aristocrat, and he is notorious for his scathing memoirs about life in Russia. And he travels through the Russian State uh, Hermitage Museum and along the way encounters historical figures from the last 200-plus years. But what's really great about this movie is that it's 96 minutes of a single uncut steady cam that was shot through the actual Russian Heritage Museum. Oh. So it's really cool. It has the most brilliant costumes and the way that it's lit, I mean it really creates a mood. The whole thing comes together. But the so the cinematographer, Tillman Butner, he used a steady cam and high def digital technology and he joined there was like two thousand actors, like all of these extras, and it was seriously just like a tight wire act because every mark and cue had to be hit without fail because mm. it was, you know, one shot. So they the first three attempts that they made um, were cut short because of technical difficulties. So the fourth time going through the film is when they hit it. I can't believe it actually worked out at all, to be honest with I you. I mean, it's really – and that's what – so when you're watching it, you're kind of holding your breath because understanding the technique that they're using, you know how much every shot like depends on these people, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, oh, if they mess up, like if some you're, person you're is out of line, they have to it. like start over from the beginning. And because they shot it in the Hermitage Museum and that had to be shut down, they were like, well, we're not doing that for more than a day. So they did it in one day. Mm, that's right. Im- that's impressive stuff right there. And it's really beautiful. It looks so good. So not only do you have this one shot in one day, but it also looks really, really good. I love when they do one shots. When you can get it to work, I think it's such I a feel cool like I can only really remember it the idea in Birdman, even though I don't think it was one continuous shot. Like I think there were a couple, but it was mostly one. They hid their cuts very well, but yeah. Very well. But yeah, so Russian art. Check it out. Russian art. I don't even Arc. know. Art? Like, no. Arc. K. K. Arc. Arc. Oh, like it's the even boat. 
Oh, is our big old Russian boat? I like where this it. is going. You got it. It's the Russian Ark. Okay. Russian yeah. Ark. All right, cool. I'm going to go up to go check that out because now, like, you just told well, me that. You can't check it out from our library today because it's at my house. Well, right now. But just go after to your, I'll just yeah. show up at your house and get it. <laughs> that I'll works. Just too. Knock on the door at 1130 and be like, give me the movie. So, yeah, super, super cool. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go with what was one of the big surprises a couple years ago. That was Mad Max Fury Road. Seriously don't understand how that movie was so beautiful. Oh, I just, I it was just so Even when gorgeous. it was gross, it was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're unfamiliar with the Mad Max series, you need to get onto that because they're all pretty fun in their own little way. And you can watch them separately. Yeah. There's technically an ongoing storyline, but the time's all, the time. Especially yeah. Fury Road. That definitely stands on its own. Yeah, I don't know if Fury Road doesn't really fit. There's a rumors of it being like a far in the future sequel to the other Mad Maxes. But okay. Yeah, whatever. I'll get into that later. So the movie stars Tom Hardy, which, you know, mm, o- overall. Can I just say? Mm. Yeah, overall, that's <laughs> enough reason to watch this movie. He has a, a whole trick lately of being in really beautiful stuff. That show, uh. Show that does on FX is really beautiful. Taboo. I don't know. It's oh, in another dark and disgusting way. Of course. It's <laughs> yeah, that's Tom what Hardy. He does. That's what he does. So he stars as Max, and the, the, I'm not going to really get into the plot of this movie because it doesn't really have one. It's just basically going you're right over there. <laughs> yeah, I was sipping tea when you said that. <laughs> yeah, when Tom, <laughs> it's true. Plot, it doesn't, movie doesn't have a plot, no. It's not, that's not so the point. We're going to spend it out. The point is humans strapped to driving vehicles playing electric guitars with flames shooting out of them. That's the point. That I s- <laughs> we saw this movie together, and the, the theater, when that dude popped up, just the theater went crazy. Like, you never heard a movie. You laughed, I think. Like, I was joy. dying. I was so happy that it was happening. Oh. I was like, I'm sorry, is he strapped to the front of that vehicle? Is he playing electric guitar? Are there flames shooting out of I'm getting a big smile on my face just <laughs> thinking about how awesome that is. <laughs> so the movie is shot in, um, you know, South Africa, standing in for Australia-ish depending on how you work the mythology. And it just, the fact, the way they work the desert, just to like look so beautiful. They have a, the skylines in that movie because mm. there's no ambient light, so they just like film skies that just look so crisp. You can see every single star in there. And I love desert shots. Yeah, desert looking look really beautiful at night. It's like some or Lawrence of Arabia quality desert shots here. Um, they also have, like there's a huge scene in there involving like a sandstorm where there's mm. like lightning and thunder going off it's just oh, it's just so beautiful the no, color it's a good choice the use of colors in this movie they just have them all over the place every second of this movie your eyes have something to look at and just like grasp onto it's just such a just a beautiful flick not to mention the fact that it's also an awesome action movie and a best picture nominee which i think a lot of people forget about that was mind-blowing <laughs> yeah nobody was expecting that it almost won too if you look at some of the oscar ballots which yeah. i think would have been the greatest but like if you like post-apocalyptic white knuckle action movies if you like tom hardy or charlize theron or pretty movies wow it hits them all yeah just fury road i love it so much i might have to go back and watch it man yeah you're actually you're making me interested in watching it again okay that's a good one it's a good looking film um the next i'm going to recommend even though i know at some point we keep saying we're going to do a wes anderson episode um i do have to mention grand budapest hotel 
That is the one Wes Anderson movie that I really like. That's it? That's the one? That's the one. I did not expect to like it, and it was just so much. It was so good. Okay. Yeah, it looks so good. So, quick plot. takes place in the 1930s. The Grand Budapest Hotel is this popular European ski resort, and it's presided over by concierge Gustave H., who's played by Ralph Fiennes, and then this character Zero, who's a junior lobby boy who becomes Gustave's friend and protege. And... You know, there's some hygiene. Gustav's really prides himself on providing first-class service to the hotel's guests. He satisfies all needs. That's all I'm going to say. And then when a character dies, he ends up finding himself the recipient of this priceless painting. And then he becomes the chief suspect in this person's murder and yada, yada, yada. The movie goes all over the place. It really does. But I'm going to say that I feel that Wes Anderson, I think, loved this film most of all because... I don't know how else you can describe the level of minute care that seems to have gone into every single frame, every single costume, like every tear in a strip of wallpaper was very, very placed and methodically done. And it really gives it, it, I mean, the movie glows. Yeah, it's just, and you know, he has a distinctive art style and directing style like Mm -hmm. to begin with. Because when you watch his movies, you know it's a Wes Anderson movie because a lot of the colors pop. Yes, but, like immediately. Yeah. But, and there's like a gramophone played and a raccoon's playing it. So he's like, oh, it's a Wes Anderson lot, movie. A lot of use of miniatures and stuff like that for yeah. for transition shots, which helps build the world, actually, if you can get into it. Yes. And I think in this occasion, it just it works with the tone of the movie, what the plot was. The whole plot just seems like slightly I mean, it's, above it's like goofy yeah it's, it's slightly heightened so like if a goof like the goofiness that happens or the idea that this ski chalet is like this big tourist attraction when you have to ride like a gondola to get there and stuff <laughs> it's like okay sure i mean but it is the kind of film where you almost have to hit pause to examine the background and the edge of every frame because there's just so much action that's happening in the corner of your eye. And that's what I really like about it. There's just so much going on, the attention to detail. I mean, I had read that every time a newspaper article appears in the film, it's like a detailed and complete depiction of events in the headline because it's not, like in a lot of films, it's just throwaway. It's just kind of paper. But all of these papers were written by Wes Anderson. So he is just really into the detail and making things authentic, and it is totally well played in this film. Oh, okay, cool. That's he didn't pull the Ed O'Neill with the uh, the newspaper. That's no, he did not. No, people don't get that reference. Ed O'Neill has been reading the same newspaper and everything he does since he was on Married with Children twenty something, thirty something years ago. It's awesome, and, though. Yeah, it's great. It's great that he's done that. <laughs> but it's just like, well, we're gonna we're gonna make a little more detail than that in this. Wes yes, Anderson Wes movie. Anderson takes it a little more seriously. So yeah, so, great film. Movie. It's a fun movie. Movie and it's beautiful to look at. I like how you say Ralph Fiennes too, and not Rafe Fiennes. Oh, that's right, Rafe Ra- Fiennes. Ralph, Rafe. It is like Rafe, right? It's called yeah, it's Rafe or Voldemort, whichever you prefer to call. <laughs> uh, the actor who must not be named. <laughs> what so. happened to your nose, bro? Evil Ray wizard. Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> I said Ralph. I think because I have it written down and it just happened, but I think mostly I say Ray yeah. Fines. You know what? I'm going to sw- We'll switch. You can have Rafe. I'll call him Ralph and just say because that's how we say it around here. His name's Ralph. Nice. Ain't, ain't no I in that name. I mean, I'm from Buffalo. What do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> uh, next, I'm going to go with another older one, Johnny Depp movie uh, from back in the day, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Go a little Terry Gilliam here. Terry Gilliam 
That's a banana right there. That dude's crazy. Yeah, well, he's a Monty Python guy, so. Yeah, I Love Brazil is a fantastic movie. I can't really think of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Really? I'm sure you've seen it. I have seen it. I don't think I liked it, but I'm trying to remember it visually. Tell me all about it. I don't know if you're supposed to necessarily like it. Oh, okay. I think that's part of the the point. I don't think by (laughs) the end of the movie you're supposed to like it anymore. Okay. Uh, But the movie stars um, Johnny Depp as Hunter S. Thompson with Benicio Del Toro along for the ride as his lawyer. Uh, it's basically just a drug-fueled weekend uh, through Las Vegas. Okay, so we get a lot of what they're seeing through their drugs. Right, and the that gimmick of the movie great. is they take a ton of drugs throughout the whole movie. But as they take them, the visual style of the movie changes to accompany what you would, your whole perception would be on that drug. So when they're taking a lot of cocaine, everything's a little bit sped up, everything's a little faster, a little mm-hmm. more intense. Um, when they take some acid, there's a lot more visuals. A lot of color. Yeah, they're seeing dinosaurs, <laughs> there's colors, there's walls bleeding and, like, pain everywhere. When they start to, like, come down off the drugs, everything that went from really bright and just going crazy it, um, that was going on before, it all kind of takes more of a muted feel. Okay. As you start to, like, it tries to make you feel the same way that they feel as they're coming down from all these drugs. And Which the story. is awesome that you can do that with color. You can really dictate someone's mood. Yeah, with this color and light and the way that it's shot. It's one of those movies where the plot is almost inconsequential and a little bit incomprehensible because, you know. It's <laughs> that's, a hun- it's, that's your speed. That's what you like. Yeah, it's, it's a Hunter S. <laughs> Thompson thing. So it's like, uh, did any of this actually happen? Probably not. But I would not, <laughs> I would not actually doubt that it did happen at some points. But Terry Gilliam, I think, is an underrated director. Like I said, he's one of the Monty Python guys. He's one. I the, think he's super appreciated in his circles, like the people that know him. Right. You know, like if you look at his box office, you're like, who would give this guy money to make anything? Well, because some of his stuff has been garbage. What was that last one, that Dr. Parnassus? Yeah. I hated oof, that movie. Oof, on that one. <laughs> yeah. And he's got that Don Quixote movie that he finally finished and then they took away from him. <laughs> They took it away from him? Yeah, he finished it, and then the production company was like, yoink, we're going to take this and release it, and you don't get any credit for it. What? Sucker. But he made it? He did dele- He did direct it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got the whole thing done. But they're like, How can nope. they do that? Because they, they paid for it. And so who does it say directed it? Well, they'll still say he directed it. Oh, okay. It's just one of those, you don't get any money, you don't get any credit. Wow, that taking hurts. everything. That hurts real bad. Uh, he, he did do 12 Monkeys, so I guess that's... Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Terry Gilliam fan. He just, he has hits and misses. Um, but I think this is one of his more visually interesting movies uh, to show that, you know, we, we've we said it before on the show, you need to give, pay more attention to people who do comedy because overall, like, I think there can be some of the most talented people out there. Comedy is very hard to do. And it's very hard to, like, work off that to go to drama. And the fact that he's now developed his entire, like, visual style and all his movies just look so unique. You know yeah. when you're watching a Terry Gilliam movie. And that's very hard and important for a director to do is to get that style. See, just like Wes Anderson, why you got to hate on him? Because Wes Anderson makes bad movies. And he oh, makes okay. them over We're, and okay. over and over We're again. We'll save that for later. We could talk about Steve Zizou for about two and a half minutes because that's all that that movie uh, what a great Lawrence. movie. It, it's not. <laughs> it's really not a good movie. We're saving it. We're, yeah, we'll have to okay. bring Jordan back on, and we can have this whole Wes Anderson discussion. Okay. The Summit of Minds. Okay. So, so go check out Fear and Loathing, people. Read the book, too. They're both really good. Okay. So my next one, I love this movie and wanted to have this character's haircut when I first saw it, but realized. Oh, man. I got to right? know. <laughs> you ready? It's uh, Amelie. Do you oh, know Amelie? Oh, I do. And then I realized, like, it's not that I want her haircut; it's that I want Audrey Tattoo's face because she is so beautiful. I think you're prettier than Audrey oh, Tattoo. Oh boy! Just moving on. So Amelie, 
is just like a fanciful little comedy, right? Yeah, it's a little fun little movie. So adorable. It is about a young woman who discreetly orchestrates the lives of the people around her, and she's really creates a world that is exclusively of her own making. It was shot in over 80 uh, Parisian locations, and it is by acclaimed director Jean-Pierre Janou. Nailed it. Who did Delicatessen and The City of Lost Children. What a weird couple of movies those ones are. Those were super weird. He's a weird dude. But he really invokes, he kind of has an um, incomparable visionary style, and he really brings modern-day Paris out through the eyes of this beautiful ingenue, which is... um, Audrey Tattoo. So again, about his very distinctive visual style, especially in this film, he has a super specific color palette. So it's really warm. Um, it's infused with reds and yellows and greens. There's like no blue in this film. I think there's only a couple shots when he's really trying to make a contradiction, but otherwise, it's completely absent absent from the film. Um, and most of it, most of the color came from the results of this DI process, which is digital intermediate, which you'd have to read about online to really understand. Yeah. But, um, you know, they took some of these daytime shots and they added this specific fil- filter to it. So everything just has this warmth and this color. And it's so beautiful. It looks totally unique. Um, it can be really busy. It can be really fast. The way that they hold the camera is unique to the film. Like it's n- there's no straight on shots. The camera is either like above her or below. Like that's the mm-hmm. way that they kind of dictate that. And it's the highest grossing French film um, ever released in America. Really? Yeah. It's so good. I love that movie. That Gerard Depardieu just lost <laughs> his mind when that happened. <laughs> I haven't thought about that guy in so long. That is the oh my God. the green greatest. Card. I loved green cards so much. I like it when you, that's the Gerard oh. Depardieu pop that everybody gets on this show. Why is he even in your mind? Why? Well, why? When is he? Not, why is he not in yours? I think that's a better question. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. The greatest living French actor. Let that that will wrap over people, you. People, you're gonna love this movie. I feel like if you have teenage daughters at home, they're gonna love this movie. They're gonna want to be like her. They're gonna want their bedrooms to look like hers. Amelie. Oh, for sure. My friend uh, Heather named her kid Amelie. Actually. Oh, I had read something that that name. You know, it had like 200 names a year would come out with that and then after the movie came out it's like 2000 or something babies not, are named. not surprising <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a big movie uh with the girls in my high school back in the day it's so, so beautiful it can't not be <sighs> so good it takes me back ah oh, to be young again oh boy look at you ah, i young. don't want to be on this journey with you at all I'm we're on. <laughs> we're running out of time already get to your film so i can talk about these picture books all right i'm gonna go next one because we're running out of time as you said uh, i'm gonna go with pan's labyrinth by Guillermo oh, del toro i love pan's labyrinth yeah so you want to talk about a guy with a visual style oh yeah boy oh boy does Guillermo del toro have one and this is i think the movie that cemented it for the general public so he's done tons of big budget stupid action movies, your Hellboy 2s, your uh, uh, Pacific Rims, you know, both awesome looking movies as well. But Pan's Labyrinth is probably his best movie, I would say, uh, next to Shape of Water, mm-hmm. just because 
oh, it just looks so nice. The creature design in this movie is without equal. <gasps> that monster equal. is horrifying. Either one, the big pan himself or the hand in the eyes one. Or? That guy's the that guy was the scariest for me until I saw Annihilation. And oh, then the screaming, I, yeah. the screaming oh, dog. We, we're not going to get into Nightmare Bear. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. But yeah, that's a great, Pan's Labyrinth has great monsters. Oh yeah, but just so great. Story of a girl um, in the Spanish Civil War dealing with uh, loss and dealing with the whole family breaking up. And then her her mom is marrying this big old general who's crazy mean. and what a mean. And, <laughs> oh, just such a good movie overall. And you threw me off too, because now I feel like I should have said Annihilation as well for my. Yeah, but we talked movies. about that recently, so we don't. Yeah, that's need true. To. Also, um, though, beautiful. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, best winner for best foreign language movie. Um, the story is so sad. Like if you do not um, shed a tear while you're watching this movie, by the end, you just don't have a heart. You're one of the monsters in the film. <laughs> and if you you can't help but when you look at some of these creatures, you're just like, wow, these are all practically done. There's barely any. The CGI colors are great too. It's very dark. Like, he's always very good when filming with blues and greens. Yes. I think that's, like, his wheelhouse. It's like yeah, it's definitely. Blues and greens, it's like, I'm all about it. Yellows and reds, get them out of here. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with them. He sent those to Amelie, um, Amelie. Yeah, he's like, you want that? Go watch an Audrey Tantu movie. <laughs> okay. I don't want any problems with it. But, yeah, Pla- Pan's Labyrinth, just go watch it, people, if you haven't already. What's wrong with you, first of all? I Pan's. actually looked at that last night sitting in my DVD collection. I was like, should I watch that? You but I, I watched the, the Great British Bake Off. Stuff. <laughs> it just happened. I don't know. About I was that really decision. hungry, so I don't know. I was watching Iron Fist, so I didn't really watch anything any better. Okay, that's that's what we're doing. Okay, that's a great choice. Um, so my last film recommendation, um, very beautiful film, is Last Emperor. I'm pretty sure you've seen that. Oh yeah, the Bernardo uh, Bertolucci film. So it's the just sweeping account of. Uh, Pu Yi, who was the last emperor of China, and then it follows his uh, tumultuous reign after he's captured by the Red Army as a war criminal, and in prison he starts uh, recalling his his childhood and his really lavish youth in the Forbidden City, where he was afforded every luxury, but he was really uh, sheltered from the outside world. Um, And why this film, I think, is super important, besides that it looks really beautiful it is the only western film to ever have been shot in china's forbidden city really oh yeah it was the first time that they opened up this part of china that i will say most of the world never gets to see and you probably haven't seen any part of it unless you've watched this movie um so it's not only just full of cinematic splendor which it is it looks really great but it's really culturally significant um, I wonder how they pulled that off because I know nowadays they'd never let you film there. I don't know. There was just some sort of agreement. China was really getting along with this guy at the time and let him in. This movie has brilliant costumes, really great cinematography. It's a huge film. There were 19,000 extras. Wow. Used in this movie because they wanted it to look as realistic as possible. And it was a good play because they earned nine Oscars. Remember when, when you came could, out. remember when you could do that? Like in Ben-Hur and days where you just bust out 19,000 people. I mean, they did it for extras. Lord of the Rings. They brought in a bajillion extras. Well, they brought in like 100 and then they CGI'd I think a it was more times. than 100, wasn't it? I don't know. It wasn't very many because if oh. you watch them, go back and watch them, you can see the same see things the same. repeat. Well, they did all look alike. But so with Last Emperor, according wow. to the director. Wow, they all look alike, huh, Michelle? All orcs look alike? Do not. Jeez. Just 
Jeez. I really cannot stand you. <laughs> We're finding a new co-host next week. Um, but anyway, Last Emperor, according to the director of photography, he used phases of light to represent different stages of the emperor's life. So you get huge color pops throughout. Like you get a lot of red, which is the color of blood that starts kind of the flashback um, in like the opening doors of the film and it represents birth. And then there's a lot of orange, which is the warm color when it's showing his family in the Forbidden City. And then they have yellow, which is the color of the emperor's identity and the sun, um, you know, turns to green when it represents knowledge and on and on and on. So it's, I don't know, it's just super stunning. And I also like that the parts that are filmed in the Forbidden City, they only have the first three colors um, because it has a limited, um, you know, view of reality. Mm. So it doesn't get full color, which is awesome. I feel like I saw the movie when I was real young and I did not get all these extra things that you're bringing up. Oh, I'm sure if you watched it now, yeah, it'd be a totally different feel. go back and watch it, man. I actually very curious now that you sold it on me. I was always one of those movies, I'm like, I'm not going to go back and watch that. Oh, no, do it. I think I might. Yeah, totally worth it. Gorgeous film. And just so, so well acted. And again, Forbidden City. Take a peek. Yeah, it's (laughs) forbidden for goodness sake. You get a chance to see it. (laughs) Take a peek. Get all up in there. Mm. Oh. Why do we always run out of time? I know it's really Every sad. Single. Let's get Should... to let's get to them books. Okay, so a couple more of the picture books um, that I just wanted to mention. Like I said, these were chosen by the New York Times, which has this rotating panel of judges where these books are picked um, purely on their on basis of artistic merit. So more 2018 winners. There's a book called A House That Once Was. Oh, here I go with the names. It was written by Julie Fogliano, but it was illustrated by Lane Smith, who I'm sure you're familiar with. He's, he's super famous and lovely. And it's a tale of children who discover an abandoned house. And Lane Smith's art, it's like deftly layered in lyrical pictorial world we'll say splendor uh, yes and splendor it shimmers there's a like uh, a lot of woodland colors and line work it's really beautiful book i like all of his stuff though i'm a little biased there's a book called our car written by j.m brum and illustrated by jan batchlick wow careful <laughs> <laughs> anyway this is kind of a less is more book it's a polish artist um you know you don't have to you don't need all of the things that some kids books come with to be really beautiful so i like it for that there's a book out called she made a monster how mary shelley created frankenstein written by lynn fulton illustrated by felicia sala nailed it um and there's a lot of horror struck portraits and faux eerie settings it's really magnificent we got some like I don't know. There's like cobwebbed windows where Mary Shelley is sitting looking all dramatic. You'd like it. Um, I do like pensive Mary Shelley. See? And then the book called The Funeral, written and illustrated by Matt James. Um, A lot of colorful uh, acrylics in that. It helps a child understand an adult world. So I like that part about it. Okay. And then one called Run Wild, written and illustrated by David Covell. Um, sure. Again, watercolors and handwritten text. Uh, they take us on just a carefree adventure. That's how you feel We, we need it. one of those. We need some carefree adventures around these parts. And then the last one is The Visitor, written and illustrated by Aunt J. Dom. Um, and it's about a boy in a lonely woman's black and white 3D collage world. And it brings he's bringing this explosion of color and light and life. These are all awesome picture books. 
check them out. Like I said, you don't have to be a kid. If you have kids, grab them. But even as an adult, look at them because they're really beautiful. They're yeah. art, folks. Who doesn't like art? Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. one of the two major parts <laughs> okay. of life. All right, do a plug so I can get some facts out there. Okay, so everything you hear on All Booked Up is available at your local library, all 37 branches throughout Erie County. So feel free to head on down, and if we don't have it, we'll send it right to you. Just ask your very helpful librarians up at the desk, and hey, we'll get you all set librarians. up. <laughs> That's nice. You okay. just do a, are you doing a Mr. Hanky voice? I don't know what I was doing exactly. Um, <laughs> so because this week is Thanksgiving, which I hope everyone Joys, I thought I'd give us a couple Thanksgiving facts. This is awesome. So according to the National Turkey Foundation, which is a place. Okay, I didn't know that was a thing. um, Approximately 690 million pounds of turkey were consumed in the United States during Thanksgiving of 2007. Now, that equals the weight of 4.48 million um, individuals of average weight. Okay, so if the if the right. average weight of a person is 154 pounds, okay, so you calculate that that is the population of Singapore. So <laughs> Singapore weighs the same as the amount of turkey Americans consumed during Thanksgiving in one year. The- Hello. <laughs> there are two parts that are amazing about that. The amount of turkey that Americans eat and the fact that somebody thinks the average weight of Americans is 155 I think, pounds. No, Singaporeans. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> makes I'm like, Americans, I'm like, no way. No um, way. So another little good one here is Sarah Josepha Hale. She's the author of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Oh, the one whose fleece is white as snow. You know it. And she is credited as the person most responsible for making Thanksgiving a national holiday. So after she spent 17 years sending letters to President Abraham Lincoln, and then finally he decided to issue an 1863 decree recognizing the historic tradition. Oh. So that's our our lady. Mary Had a Little Lamb made Thanksgiving happen. And the final one is that the first TV dinner ever was Thanksgiving leftovers. That makes sense. Right? So that, it, that in 1953, someone at Swanson severely overestimated the amount of turkeys that Americans would consume on Thanksgiving. He should have hopped over to 2007. But yeah, we got the numbers on that guy. 260 tons of frozen birds to get rid of, and a company salesman named what Gary do you mean? Thomas. Just extra birds lying around. I guess so. Yeah, he ordered too many. So the salesman ordered 5,000 aluminum trays and then recruited an assembly line of women just armed with spatulas and ice cream scoops. And they began creating these mini feasts of turkey, cornbread, dressing, peas, and sweet potatoes. First ever TV dinner. Mm. And he said that he got the idea from neatly packaged airplane food. And boom, there it is. Well, History was made. Yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's pretty cool, actually. It so, makes sense that Thanksgiving would be the impetus for absolutely. TV dinners. Who doesn't love that? Hopefully it, everyone listening does. If you don't eat meat, I'm sorry. This seems like a holiday you really suffer through. Yeah, There's a just, lot of dead birds all over. You're not going to have a good time. No, I'm really one. sorry about that. But thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your holiday, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.